Ontario Locked On Podcast Network. Today's host, host Evan Setter and Drew very, very special guest today, talking more about the 2020 NBA draft. We're bringing on great draft guests every week for you guys, and this latest one is an awesome one for you as well. Spencer Perlman of the Stepien, he does great scouting video analysis over there on the Stepien. Spencer, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate the time. And we're going to talk about six prospects today who I think really have intriguing fits in the Suns. And we'll start off with Grant Riller of Charleston and go to Theo Maladon. And after that, we'll go on to Tyrell Terry of Stanford, Jalen Smith of Maryland, and then close with the two heavy hitters, De- Devin Vassell of Florida State and Anthony Edwards of Georgia. So, Spencer, let me ask you real quick before you get started, just with this 2020 draft class, how would you compare this draft class? Because I know nationally there's been some talk about being a really weak draft class. From what you've watched from – from your scouting and your video analysis, what do you think overall this 2020 draft class? Yeah, I think the, uh, I think the, you know, the media and pretty much those who have been following it, are, I think they're right on point. Um, it's not a particularly good uh, draft class in terms of like high upside prospect, but on the flip side, you can definitely find someone or you, you should be able to find someone in the late first round, um, you know, early second who could probably help, help out for, you know, a good 10 years or so if, if they hit their, you know, supposed peak or even 80th percent outcome. Let's dive in then, Spencer, into Grant Riller, who I think amongst Suns fans, at least, he's very intriguing because he's a combo guard. He's analytics-wise, he checks a lot of boxes here. He gets to the free throw line well. He's a good shooter. Great from the two-point range. You, get, you notice how he gets the bucket at a very high rate. This past year for Charles Towers, 22 points, four assists, five rebounds per game. Also chipped in 1.6 steals per game with some great shooting splits. What's your overall thoughts on Grant Riller, Spencer? Um, I mean, he's, he's very, very, very strong. Uh, he's a very good shot maker. Um, he's a really good finisher. Um, you know, in terms of like, you know, scoring package overall, he's probably one of the top guys in this draft, but on the flip side, he's not the best defender. Um, I don't really think he's particularly good passer, but you know, there've been some flashes there and I guess some defense also can be projected because he's strong. Um, and he's 23, or he's going to be 23, I think, in the uh, in the upcoming season. So, you know, his his peak, I guess, is going to be a little bit shorter because he's coming in a little bit later. But at the same time, you can get someone who can probably come in day one, and you know, if not play at a high level, he'll definitely be in a rotation. Yeah, I think for a player like Riller, the outcome I think of him is almost like a microwave score, maybe be like a sixth man. I don't know about a starter in this league, but does he kind of fit the the mold of like? a player you can rely on to come in for 15, 20 minutes a game, just get you buckets, so to say? Yeah, I think that's pretty safe. Also with Riller, I wanted to hit on his, his um, overall ceiling, like you mentioned there. Maybe it's not as high as you talked about before with these other props we're going to hit on, but I really believe with a player like Riller, you, you think of the output with him in Phoenix. What do you like about maybe his fit alongside Phoenix where he's going to be coming off the bench with Devin Booker and he'll be able to be molded behind Ricky Rubio? Do you think that's a good fit, so to say, if the Suns, let's say, were to trade back or buy a pick in the early second round? Do you think Riller makes sense in Phoenix? Um, yeah, so, I mean, I guess, first of all, I don't think he actually makes it to the second round. Um, I think that because there four, there, there's four years of film on him, and particularly the last two have been, I guess the last three have been really good, um, I can actually see him going closer to, you know, 20 than 35. Um, but in terms of fit with Phoenix, I mean, if you want to learn from someone, how to play the actual point guard position on both ends of the floor. You really can't find a better teacher than someone like Rubio. Um, so, I mean, I definitely love it from that perspective. And then from the fit with Booker, I think that's actually a really good fit. 
Um, you know, you definitely need some plus defensive players next to them. And having someone like Mikhail and, you know, the stuff Aiden has shown this year um, was promising. But you could play either of those guys on ball, off ball. Like, you can't really have one primary defender. And then for poor defenders, when you're trying to defend them, because Booker and Riller can both just, like, you know, they can just go out and score um, in a whole bunch of ways. So, I mean, I, I like the fit uh, definitely on offense and defense. You know, again, you'd probably need some plus defenders behind them, but there's no reason why it can't work. One, I mean, maybe cause for concern with Grant Riller, the more I dove into his uh, film and also looking at his box scores here is that looking at the top competition, so to say, against like legitimate Division One competition where it's high up in their Division One, like really good teams. It seemed like Riller always struggled a little bit from the field percentage-wise, really was a high-volume shot chucker, but the, the shots weren't going in. His, his burst, his ability to get to the line wasn't translating as well as it should against those higher-up teams. Does that concern you a little bit against a higher-level competition, and especially against NBA athletes, that his, his strengths might not translate? Not really. Um... I mean, the way I see it, he was, you know, Charleston's entire offense. So you had the entire defense just keyed in on stopping him. And it makes sense that when you're going up against the big teams and you have, you know, a 6-7 wing defending someone like Riller, they're probably going to be able to do a pretty good job on him because they can pretty much ignore everybody else and help on him when needed. Um, I think in the NBA, you know, again, playing this is someone like Booker who's going to command as much offensive um, or rather as much defensive attention as he'll, I mean, he'll get. Um, I think it'll allow Riller to maybe not be guarded by the number one defender or maybe even number two. So because the defense is going to have to focus on everyone on the court and not just on him, I actually think he maybe he won't perform, you know, as well as he did against the bottom feeders uh, as he did in college. But I think, you know, I think he'll be fine. Moving on to Theo Maladon for a second, Spencer. This is a intriguing prospect for me because he's playing the EuroLeague over in France. He also, his shooting numbers are promising. His three-point percentage is 36.7% this past year in EuroLeague. His assist numbers are pretty good as well. But do you think he's more of a player you stash or do you think he could be a player who contributes right away next year? Um, I mean, I don't think he'll want to be stashed. Um, I don't really think there's maybe much benefit to him being stashed because I don't really think he'll probably, I don't think he'll get that number one um, you know, pl- primary creator full-time in uh, overseas, at least as he would in the G League if he were to come over and play there. Um, so, I mean, I'd personally would rather have him over in the U.S. right now. Um, but I guess you can try to stash him and see what he says. I just don't really think it's going to happen. <laughs> what do you think are Maladon's strengths? I know maybe for some Suns fans that they're, they're like, who are you talking about? Because he's more of an overseas guy. He hasn't gotten lots of attention. But when you've watched Theo before, Spencer, what stands out to you? His footwork, um, really good footwork. Uh, he's, he's not a, an explosive athlete. He's not a quick athlete. I know, you know some people on draft Twitter kind of think that. Um, I and many others completely disagree. Um, but he's smooth. Like, you know, he, get, he knows how to get to, his, get to where he wants to go. Um, he's a good finisher. Um, he's crafty. You know, he can accelerate, decelerate around the rim. Um, takes contact pretty well. And then on top of that, He's a good passer. He's not going to make many advanced reads, but he's you know, he's a pretty smart passer. Um, he'll make smart ones. Um, and then with the shooting, most of his three-point attempts have been catch and shoot. Um, but this year they actually had him moving off ball a little bit more, whether it was some relocation stuff or they had him coming off screens. There were a few uh, baseline out-of-bounds plays they ran for him. Um, so he's made some progress there. Um, I mean, he's like a, I guess, a jack of 
many trades master of none on offense. And I mean, I have issues with his defense, but assuming he gets stronger um, and he cleans up his footwork a little bit, you know, he can, he can probably be an average defensive point guard. Looking at his playmaking ability, 3.1 assists for EuroLeague, 22 games past year in 2019-20 for Theo. Do you buy his playmaking ability in next level? Because like we mentioned with Riller, really any guard that gets drafted by the Suns, if they do go that route this year, they're going to be able to be molded by Ricky Rubio for the next couple of years. Do you think that's a good situation for him where his playmaking ability maybe isn't the best right now, but he could still be in a situation where he's, he has time to develop under that sort of aspect with Rubio? Do, do you buy his playmaking ability in next level? Yeah, I do. Um... It's not elite vision, but I think when you couple his ability to get into the paint with his footwork and just, you know, his smart decision making, whether it's hitting a drop off or a driving kick, I think, you know, with the expanded space and, you know, a cleaner paint, if they don't help on him, once he proves he can finish, um, you know, the defense will kind of be screwed because then they'll be giving up a good open look. But if they help, which they probably should and they probably will, he'll be able to find the open man. And again, I think learning under someone like Rubio. Um, you really can't find someone you know better than that. Looking at his defense for a second, Spencer, is that cause for concern? Because I, I know it's not the best numbers for him, but he is six foot three, just turned nineteen uh, about a month ago. Do you think he could maybe mold himself into at least a comparable, a passable defender on the next level? Yeah, um, I think he uses his length pretty well. Um, my biggest concerns with him are he doesn't really play physically and. That could be, you know, him being so young. It could be him being, you know, 185, 190 pounds, um, whatever it is. But then he's not particularly, I think, smart off ball in terms of positioning um, and where he's supposed to be. And there have been a bunch of plays just, you know, where he's playing far side weak corner and he's attached to the hip at the guy who he's guarding. Uh, there was one time when he didn't cost his team the, uh, the loss. Um, but again, he was hugging his man too close when he should have been at least, you know, slipping the distance and he just wasn't doing that. But those are things that can be taught. And assuming he picks up on things, I think his development overseas kind of implies or, you know, there's reason to believe that it will happen. I think he can get to, you know, an average defender where he's not going to be lit up every night like Trey, or he's, but he's also not going to be someone like Rubio who can, you know, or who was able to just effectively shut guys down. You mentioned with Grant Riller, you see him as a first-round prospect. Where do you peg Theo if he is a first-round prospect in this draft? Is he more of a maybe a possible lottery pick, or is he more so in that mid to late first-round range? Mid to late first round, I'd say. Um, probably closer to the late first round. Um, you know, like him, Trey Jones, um, Grant Riller, I guess, would probably be somewhere around there as well. Um, I think, you know, depending on what your team needs, you can kind of mix and match there, but I wouldn't really go much higher than 20 or so maybe with Maladon. Suns fans, do you want to save money on your next car purchase, whether it be helping out with your tires, your motor oil, your tail lamp, whatever it may be, go over to rockout.com because they save you so much more money compared to the others out there. If you're going to a chain front store or anywhere else, rockout.com is by far and away the best option if you want to keep money in your pocket because rock auto has helped not only me, but also many listeners out there have locked on sons and locked on podcast network, save money on their car, whether it be increasing makes and models is not impossible to stock up all your parts in a traditional chain store. So why endure the often points of seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the part on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rock at home and in your pocket. So it helps you save more in the end. 
And you want to out as well, it's a family business at rockauto.com. They serve auto part customers online for 20 years. And you go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and barrier parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, you get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and price you prefer. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals do it yourselfers. So why spend the twice as much of the same parts as you would at a different store when you do it at Rock Auto right away? Write, rock, write Locked On in their How'd You Hear About Us box and then we sent you. Again, write Locked On. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, their How'd You Hear About Us box and then we sent you because Rock Auto has a main selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Go to rockauto.com and use Locked On in their How'd You Hear About Us box. Okay. Yeah, I think it's a very valid range for Theo. We're going to move on now into Tyrell Terry of Stanford. I know Kevin O'Connor, the ringer, has him number eight overall on his board. I don't know if you're that bullish on him like he is, Spencer, but what do you think about Terry? Because his shooting ability, of course, 40%, 41% from three this past year. is a lights-out shooter, very high IQ player. What do you think about his overall strengths? Um, <laughs> his strengths. Um, I mean, he's definitely a good shooter. Uh, he's smart, as you said. Um, for someone his size, I think he's he's decently aggressive kind of getting into the paint. He's not always going to just settle for a mid-range uh, pull-up jumper, but he'll also settle sometimes for floaters um, instead of fully attacking it. But I guess if you're if you're high on him, I'm not anywhere near as high as Kevin is. Um, but if you are, then you're definitely buying the shot. You think he'll improve as a movement shooter. You think we get a little bit stronger. Um, but if you don't, you know, there, there are many causes for concern, I guess. Let's dive into those causes for concern, Spencer. What kind of turns you off with Tyrell Terry? Um, his frame, like that's, like it's, it's very, very bad. Um, he's 165 pounds, maybe. Um, he, I don't think he's particularly long either. Um, you know, he does attack the paint, but he doesn't always finish particularly well there in the half court. He's not really somebody who can take contact that well. Um, I actually just finished up going through all of the shots today, and he, I think he had maybe one or two half-court finishes with his left hand, so he's very right-hand dominant, which I guess kind of makes sense. And, and finishes, I mean, like directly at the rim. He, he had a couple of floaters as well. Um, I guess it kind of makes sense with his frame because, you know, if you're stronger with your right, you're going to want to go that way, and you're going to want to attack a little bit further. But I really worry just about him being completely targeted on defense. Um, and just, you know, if you, the NBA is bigger, you know, they're better athletes. So you could put someone who's 6'4, 6'5 on him who can keep up with him. And like, what's he going to do? Um, he'll really have to work on that movement shooting to help separate him from the defender a little bit. Do you think his, maybe his ceiling is more like we talk about Grant Rohr. Do you buy him as maybe like a starting guard in this level? Or do you think he's more of a, a player you can just get off your bench and give you some points? He's a bench guard for me. Um, you know, something along the lines of like a Yogi Ferrell type. And I know that's, you know, maybe being a little bit too low on him. Um, maybe a Seth Curry, just someone who's going to come off the bench. He's a better passer than both of them, I think. So he's got that going for him. Um, but I just think he's got, he's too small to start. Um, I don't really think the movement shooting is there enough, and I don't think his touch around the rim is that great. Like, it's not bad, but it's not something that you can really project going forward if he doesn't continue to get stronger, which, again, goes back to the frame. And if you have concerns there, then, you know, maybe the, the finishing doesn't really improve all that much. 
I think just from the Fit and Phoenix standpoint, it's all pretty much the same with not only Grant Riller and Theo, but also Tyrell Terrier, where you have the chance to be molded by Rubio. You have the chance to maybe slow develop a little bit. But off of that for a second, Spencer, how do you cluster these three between Riller, Theo, and Terry? How do you – like, if you had to pick one of those three, who do you buy the most? Riller. <laughs> um, I think, you know, with him, you know you're going to get someone – like. I buy his finishing. Um, I think his touch is fantastic. I think the fact that he's built as well as he is, is really going to help. And yeah, he's, you know, four years older than both of them. I think um, I really don't see either of those guys getting to Riller's level of physicality, um, just finishing. And then, you know, even scoring, he's not, you know, a great movement shooter Riller, but his footwork on off the downs, you know, his sidesteps are, you know, as quick as Isaiah Thomas's or maybe just a little bit below that. And the fact that he's six foot, you know, two, 195, whatever he is doing that, um, it's even more impressive. And I get, you know, between Theo and Tyrell, um, I'd pick Tyrell because I think he's, he's smarter. I think his passing's a little bit better. I think his shooting's better. Um, and Maldon would be the last, I guess. But yeah, I'd probably put Riller first and feel quite comfortable about it. Moving on now to the big on our list today, Spencer, Jalen Smith of Maryland, a player I was intrigued by when I watched him because he looked like he improved a lot from his freshman year. He definitely improved his three-point percentage. He seemed a lot more comfortable stretching his range as well as being a better defender to doubled his block rate this year in Maryland. What intrigues you about Jalen Smith? Because I feel like he's a near lottery prospect on my board just with how versatile he is. But before we dive into it, I think he's more of a, a four or five. I think he's solely a five on the next level. I think he's a five. I don't think he moves well enough to defend modern fours. Um, but, you know, maybe he improves his movement a little bit like Miles Turner do, did. Um, but, you know, the way I kind of think about force is do you really trust him running someone off a screen? Um, and even though, it, you know, not everyone, not every team has a Davis Bertans, some of them do. Um, and I personally wouldn't feel comfortable having him defend the perimeter, whether it's off the screen or in isolation. So, uh, you know, I guess with him, it's just kind of like a strict five. What are the biggest strengths to you when you look at Jalen Smith's profile, Spencer? His shooting. <laughs> um, shooting is really good. And it's not just the stationary catch and shoot stuff. Uh, Mich not Michigan. Maryland ran a pretty cool kind of like circle. Like he would set a cross screen and someone would set a pin down immediately after for him. He'd come up to three. Um, his movement shooting is good. Like for, for anyone, it's good. Um, but when you consider he's 6'10", you know, 225, and he's going to be pulling centers away from the rim. Like, that has immense value. Um, but, yeah, definitely the shooting. And for someone who's – he, I guess he's pretty built in the upper body, but his lower legs you – know, well, his legs just aren't – they're not built at all. He plays pretty physically. And there have been a couple of times also on defense when he's defending the post um, where he's been able to just kind of stonewall guys. I know he did it once against Xavier Tillman. It's not because he's stronger than, you know, Tillman because – I don't really think anyone besides maybe Azubuki is um, in college, but his footwork is really good. Like he knows how to use leverage and, you know, put his, his legs, his quads underneath the guy posting up um, under his hamstrings and glutes and stuff like that. So, I mean, he's pretty physical, all things considered, but the shooting is, is definitely the biggest selling point. What are some causes for concern, so to say, with Jalen Smith's profile? I know you mentioned his, his shooting, which I agree with you on that very much about it. it could be able to transit the next level pretty easily. But what are some causes for concern with Jalen Smith where it might leave you pause if you're in front office and you want to maybe bet on him a little bit? Um, 
I don't think he's a great defender. Uh, he's had some, he definitely protects the rim, protected the rim better this year than he did last year, which made sense because he was playing a lot more five this year, uh, whereas last year he was you know playing next to Bruno. Um, and the strength, I don't think he can really add that much more weight. Um, definitely to his upper body, I don't really think I'd get that much stronger. But his lower body, he's just it's like a stick. Um, so he's not really someone who I would trust defending against, you know, Embiid or Jokic or Nurkic uh, or, you know, anyone else who can just kind of body him. Um, and then, so I definitely buy the shot, but I also kind of think maybe the release point is a little bit too low. Um, not that he's going to get affected by, you know, six foot six guys or six foot four guys, anything like that. Um, but I'm curious that if you actually have someone who, is mobile enough to defend him on the perimeter, how much their length will affect him, even if he is, you know, three feet behind the NBA line. Moving on to our fit in Phoenix with Jalen Smith. I know maybe you don't buy him as a four, so to say, Spencer, but his fit in Phoenix, I feel like is intriguing. It is from the point where Aaron Baines, a free agent, Frank Kaminsky is a team option there. Do you think he could really be a legitimate backup five to eight in long term where you could really, if you get eight and off the court for a few minutes, you can really trust Jalen Smith to be sort of your scorer in that sort of scenario? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, you know, assuming Aiden's off the floor, you'll probably have someone like Booker on it. Um, so he won't be running the offense around Jalen, and you'll just be using him as a floor spacer. Um, so I, I think just kind of from that perspective, he'll definitely be able to do that. Um, and and I, I don't really know what else you'd really want from a backup big. You know, you want someone who's going to play with energy, space the floor, protect the rim, and I think he can definitely do that. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, as a bench five, absolutely. I've seen a lot of variance with Jalen Smith, at least from boards I've read. Spencer, where do you rank him? Is he more of a close lottery prospect for you? Is he more so mid-late first? Also mid-late first. <laughs> I feel like that's like, it's a cop-out. Um, but I really just kind of think that after the top 12, you know, 14 or so prospects, um, it just kind of levels off. So sure, he could go 15. He could also go like 25 or 26. It just depends on the team. Uh, whether or not they believe in them. Yeah. Suns fans, make sure to subscribe to Locked On Suns if you're not already. We're with you guys three days a week right now, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But when basketball kicks back up later this month, we'll be back with you five days a week during that period when the Suns are in Orlando trying to make history, win eight straight games, and get into this playing tournament. But we have draft content you're listening to now. It's Spencer Perlman of the Step In. We also have great guests every single day coming on this show to talk Suns basketball with us. So whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you may be listening to us, Locked on Suns is right there with you. Just search Locked on Suns and it'll be right there. And you can leave us a five-star review if you like what you're hearing as well. So make sure to subscribe to Locked on Suns right now. Very true point you bring up there. We're going to dive into our heavy hitters this episode. Now, I know a lot of Suns fans are intrigued by this one. I'm going to start off with here first. That's Devin Vassell of Florida State, six foot six, 180-pound guard from Florida State. Shot 41.5% from three this past year. Great defender as well. Probably the best on-ball team defender in this draft class from Florida State. I've seen some Mikhail Bridges compared with Devin Vassell before, but I think if you draft Vassell from the Sun standpoint, Spencer, you're kind of going all in eventually on Devin Booker being your primary ball or your point guard down the road. Do you like that idea of like maybe pairing Vassell with Bridges, Cam Johnson, Kelly Oubre, having all these wings together, and maybe you go all in on point book later on in his career? Um, I mean, it's definitely intriguing. And I think if, if the Celtics have kind of shown anything, or you know, among many things I guess they've shown, is that you can never have too many wings – um, especially good defenders. Um, and I think if you're rotating, you know, 48 minutes between Mikhail and Vassell, you're going to get 
a lot of steals. You're going to get a lot of really high IQ defensive plays just kind of all over the court and, and you'll get shooting. Um, you know, I guess with that kind of unit, you'd probably need someone who can create a little bit more, or uh, you know, be a secondary passing option. And Vassell's had some flashes, um, you know, creating, he's not a bad passer. He can create a little bit, I guess, out of the pick and roll. Um, but he's really someone who's going to be attacking a swinging defense, which I guess if you have Booker, it'll, he'll be doing that anyway. Um, but I wouldn't expect him, I guess, to run, you know, many pick and rolls or just run many sets. Um, for anyone else. Yeah, with Vassell, I think as well, his defense is definitely impressive the way how versatile he is. He can switch a lot. He's able to as well, like you mentioned, be a high IQ instinctual defender, get a lot of steals for the Seminoles this past year. He really improved a lot when he upped his usage for Florida State this past year too. Did not start any games freshman year, only played 11 minutes per game, started all 30 and played 29 minutes per game his sophomore year for the Seminoles. What do you think is the upside with Vassell? Um, I mean, you're hoping he ups his three point rate. Uh, you, you definitely want to see that closer to like 55%, I guess, because if he's not shooting, you know, six, seven, eight threes a game, I don't really think he's going to have enough volume off the bounce to, um, to help, you know, bring much offensive value. Um, but you know, the selling point would be, you know, you're buying that he's going to increase the rate, you're buying the defense. Um, and you're also, I guess, buying a little bit of the, you know, isolation, Maybe not full isolation, but, you know, semi-isolation stuff. And then just being able to, um, when the defense is running at you and they're closing out, just, you know, hitting a one-to-two dribble pull-up. Yeah, it's, it, there's a lot of intriguing things with Vassell and his profile. And one, once more from the Sun standpoint, I, I'm just really intrigued, like you mentioned, with Mikhail and Vassell, Vassell together. I think that's a really fun combo they could put together there. But I know you've been covering the draft for a little bit, Spencer. Do you think that – Mikhail Burgess was a better prospect than Vassell, or would you go the other direction that Vassell was the more well-rounded one than Mikhail was? Um, I think Mikhail was a little bit more. Uh, I mean, I had Mikhail maybe sixth on my board that year. Um, so I was really high on him. I actually wanted the Knicks to pick him. Or maybe it was seven. I don't know, but I wanted the Knicks to pick him over Kevin Knox, and that did, obviously didn't happen. Um, but – I think Mikhail actually showed a little bit more off the bounce in college, creating for himself out of the pick and roll. Um, I remember during that time I was going through all of his pick and roll shots and like, he was just kind of underused there. Um, not that it was something elite, but he definitely had it. Um, and I think, you know, the movement shooting was definitely a lot further ahead than Vassell's is and the length, like he has, I think three, four inches on a Vassell's reported wingspan, which is a lot. Um, so, yeah, I definitely had Mikhail a little bit higher, but not to say, like, you know, if Vassell is 80th percent or 75th, whatever, if he reaches some modicum of Mikhail's, you know, current state or projected peak, then because he's also younger than Mikhail was if he came out, that's still going to be a very good player. Yeah, Vassell is so interesting to me. He's one of my top prospects on this year's board just because I think he's so – you can just plug him into a rotation that he's going to do very well for himself right away. But let's say the Suns land him wherever they may be in the lottery, whether it's 10 or the late teens or the early, like, 6-7 range. Is that a, a pick you, you'd really buy with the Suns? Where that's a, You'd say that's a really strong pick if they end up with Devin Vassell? Um, yes. I would also, you know, look to see if they can get a point guard somewhere else in the draft. Um, but, if, you know, if there are 6-7 or wherever, they can come away with another plus defender and really shore up the defense, because again, if you're playing those two guys, you know, Mikhail and Vassell for 48 minutes, and then if we're playing them sung together, um, 
with the strides that Aiden has made this past year, you could actually be a pretty good defensive team. Um, you know, Booker at the one, two, and three, and then, you know, put someone at the four, Oubre or whoever, and then Aiden. Um, that could be a, like a legitimately good two-way, you know, rotation that you could, that you could throw out there for 10, 12 minutes a game. Moving on now to Anthony Edwards, our final prospect of the show, Spencer. He's definitely lauded as one of the top ones in this draft class. What do you see when you watch Edwards play? Because from what I've seen, I think he's definitely has the NBA frame. He has the scoring mentality. But what else stands out to you? Um, I mean, in a good way or a bad way? You can do it either way. Either way. Yeah, I guess in, in the bad way, it's a shot selection. Um, it's, like, horrible. Um, I, I, maybe part of that could be attributed to just George's lack of perimeter talent. Um, but still some of the shots he took were incredibly questionable. Um, and then, you know, on the opposite end, he can also make every single shot in the book. Like if you want him to pull up from, you know, 40 feet, he can do that. Um, just catch and shoot. He'll attack the rim. He can finish through contact with either hand. Like his body control is, it's just elite. Um, but now I think he's one of the most context dependent prospects in recent years and that if he goes to a team that has a good development system in place with a good coach who can show him the mistakes that he's made. And I know uh, in Schmitz's video, um, Edward seemed very aware of them, which is good. But if, if he can actually put that you know, to what he's doing on the court, um, I think he could do very good on the flip side. If he's just kind of given the keys and if he's told what to do, but if he doesn't listen and if it's not worked into him, um, he could be, you know, pretty, pretty rough on both ends. Yeah. Looking at his weaknesses for a second, because I am surprised as I watched some of Suns basketball, Spencer, I really feel like his sport could be like a Josh Jackson type where it seems like he just didn't get on the next level where he was just a shot chucker. He didn't really know the best ways to be on the floor. His defense, of course, didn't translate as much as we thought it would with Jackson, but do you think that that could be like a, a low outcome for him where if it doesn't click for him on the next level, he could kind of be like a boomer bust prospect like Jackson where if it doesn't click for him right away, he could be, out of out of a team pretty quickly yeah um i think i think the fact that edwards is coming in just so much more physically developed and explosive i think that maybe gives him a little bit of a leg up like i've always said that you know his best case scenario could be something you know potentially better than oladipo and i mean if he hits completely not if he hits you know even his 90th percent um that's like, you know, the boom. And then obviously the bust for me, at least was always something akin to a Deion Waiters. Um, you know, he's already a little bit thicker. Um, shot selection still isn't great. I think Deion was actually a pretty, you know, significantly better passer at the same stage. Um, but you know, if, if he isn't able to keep his weighting control, and I think he said it was up like two thirty or two thirty-five, and that the shot selection concerns remain, then he could just be, you know, ninth tenth guy in a rotation instead of someone who could be uh you know a secondary a good secondary option or at the lower end primary yeah i agree with you on that and the ceiling like you mentioned could be like an old depot type he has to really hit that 100 100th percentile to really reach that point and the, the low end really is pretty bad for edwards but if you're trying to sell yourself in a front office on anthony edwards what would you really buy as far as what you can bring to the table um finishing um I think is actually his man-to-man defense when he's zoned in is, is legit. Um, he can beat guys to the, to the spot before they even like think about going there. Cause he's, he's just that quick. Um, so 
you know, you, you definitely buy the size that he has, 6'5", 225, you know, 6'9", uh, wingspan with the explosive athleticism. You buy the shot-making ability. Um, you kind of figured that if he is put in more of a secondary role with less defensive attention, the percentages go up and the shot selection improves a little bit. Um, and then you're just, you know, also hoping that the passing improves and the defense off-ball. He's had some flashes. Um, from what I've seen, most of the flashes have kind of been just those flashy plays, not the Devin Bissell, just perfect positioning uh, everywhere type thing. Um, but you're really just hoping that, you know, your coaching staff, your development staff can really just bring out the best in him. Looking at it from a Sun standpoint, let's say the Suns leap up in the lottery into the top three or even one or two. Do you think it might not be the smartest idea? Do you think it would be where you bet on Anthony Edwards in that standpoint? We're at Booker. You don't have a point guard right now. But yeah, we have Rubio now, but there's no long-term answer. I don't know if I buy Ty Jerome being a starter caliber point guard in the next level with what we saw in his rookie year. Do you think Edwards makes any sense in Phoenix? Probably not. Um, I think the fit with him and Booker full-time, or at least enough full-time to where they're overlapping, playing you know 40% of the minutes together, 50%, whatever it would be, I think it could potentially be rough. Um, like if they get up to three, um, I think Killian would be great. Uh, the way Denny's actually played recently has really impressed me, and I've always been high on him and his shot. So it's just kind of, I guess, cementing my views. But I don't really think Anthony Edwards is a great fit next to uh, to Booker. But I mean, maybe Phoenix feels differently. The last one I have for you, Spencer. Appreciate the time going through all these prospects with me. What do you think the Suns should do in this 2020 draft class? Looking ahead to October, what do you think is the biggest need for them? They only have one pick this year. They traded with their second-round pick in the Josh Jackson, Anthony Mellon trade this past year. Do you, what do you think are the biggest needs for the Suns team? What do you think they should be looking for? Uh, I mean, I think finding the power forward of the future. Um, I don't really think Uber is a starting power forward um, on a – you know, a plus playoff team. Um, so I definitely look for that. And then point guard, those would probably be my two, my two biggest things I try to you know, go after. And whether it's, you know, Kyra, who I think, or rather I know is actually rising up draft boards. Um, Pokusevsky, I think he'd be a risk. And I don't know if Phoenix would, would roll the dice there, but I think he'd actually be a pretty, rather, I think he'd be a really good fit. Um, you know, a power forward or a point guard who they can they can know is part of their core going forward. That's what I would really want to get out of the draft. Spencer, appreciate the time, man. I really enjoyed talking with you about the 2020 NBA draft class and these six prospects. You guys can go follow Spencer on Twitter if you're not already at SK Perlman and read his work as always are on the step in. Spencer, appreciate the time. Thanks for having me.